This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, October 31st, 2019. And my guest is YouTube creator and fellow Canadian, Carl Conrad. Hi, Carl. How are you? Good. How's it going? I'm good. How's the weather in T.O.? Currently, we're getting a lot of rain, and, uh, you know, that's no surprises. I'm just more upset for the kids because it's Halloween, yeah. and they're going to be going out, so that's that's shitty. Oh, yeah, that sucks. I'm excited about the trick-or-treating. We don't have kids, but we're going to have the, the kids come to the house from the neighborhood tonight. So, happy Halloween, everyone. Um, it's been an interesting week in tech. Apple dropped the AirPods Pro all of a sudden and i want to say to the audience right now that uh, they should stay tuned because i have an it's not me doing it but i know somebody who is doing an airpods pro giveaway and i am involved in this somehow so stay tuned for that that's cool what are your thoughts you got a review unit yeah Yes, I did. I got them, I think, a day before launch. So I've had them officially now for two days. Cool. And, uh, you know, first kind of impressions are, you know, they're very similar in form factor to the, you know, OG AirPods, the originals. Um, You know, the stems are slightly shorter, but, you know, the big thing everyone's talking about is the active noise canceling and, you know, the sound quality on original AirPods, you know, aren't that good they're just you know glorified wireless headphones from apple yeah and uh you know my biggest complaint was you know they just didn't sound that good and uh you know this time around they do sound better and whether that's you know if the drivers have been improved or if there's just a better seal now with the silicone you definitely hear more bass so it's a better experience i would say but you know on the flip side you're paying a ton of money for them you know fellow canadian talking you know, 329 bucks Canadian, wow. 250 in the U.S. So, yeah. Holy pricey. crap, that's a big difference, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's, what, $100 more than regular AirPods with a wireless case? Um, so it's only $50 more, I believe, than with the wireless case, I think. Oh, the without wireless the wireless case, case is what I'm saying. Without the, yeah, 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 so I think that's the big difference. And I think that's, you know, what most people would end up picking between because, you know, I personally never charge my AirPods wirelessly. I always plug them in. So yeah, yeah, $100, that's that's a big jump. I mean, you know, you get wireless, you get noise cancellation, and I think mm-hmm. you're going to get a better audio experience. I mean, obviously, yep. I'm going by what you're saying, and others yep. that have, have I've talked to that, I you know, have some audio chops, and they know their audio, and they review audio devices. Um, yep. My big thing about the original AirPods is that I thought the form factor was brilliant, the size, everything, you know, battery life. It's just a sweet spot of all the things. Mm-hmm. Very typical Apple with great software experience around it. But yep. they sounded like utter crap to me. And I'm not talking about like the noise issues that, you know, because you're outside and you hear all the city traffic. I'm just talking about sitting in your living room in a quiet night and you put them yep. on. And I just was like, they sound like ear pods to me that are yep. just wireless. And I, exactly. you know, and a super better experience wireless than wired for sure. Absolutely. A hundred percent with the whole Siri integration. But it's just for me, it's just like, I can't, I can't do that. I need, I need more than that. Um, so I'm, I've been waiting and actually I didn't really think that the second, 
this second product from Apple was going to be the one with noise cancelling. I thought they were going to go to passive noise insulation like they did with the silicone tips and improve right. the sound quality and just leave it at that. Um, but we're getting no active noise cancellation, which is absolutely awesome. Like awesome. Like people don't understand until they use a good product with active noise cancellation. Apple only yeah. makes really good products generally. So yeah. boom, right? Yeah, and you know maybe that's where that pro name comes. That you know they didn't use passive; they actually have you know some active noise canceling going on, and you know they they definitely are better. And um, you know I still think AirPods are the you know despite them having you know poor sound quality, I still think they're one of probably the best thing that Apple has come out with innovation wise. That you know you see them everywhere; they're the number one you know selling wireless like headphone, and it's you know I think they've just almost created their own new category there, which. Um, or, you know, leading that category, which I think is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting because uh, speaking of AirPods and AirPods Pro, the morning that Apple announced that there were, you know, that these existed, I actually received a device from a company in Shenzhen or in China somewhere that is a complete AirPods clone. Like, yeah. I... I mean, they pitched me this and I was like, I don't do this normally, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta take a look. I gotta see how <laughs> bad this is going to be. Right. And, and surprisingly, they're able to send me this without it getting intercepted by the powers that be somehow. And, and so the only thing that's different from obviously the originals is that, you know, at least visually is that there's no Apple logo anywhere. So yeah. there's, I guess they're safe in that sense that they're not plagiarizing Apple to the point of putting the logo, but you could not tell them apart from real AirPods, if you looked at them and touched them. They're really well made, they sound good. Actually, they sound better than the original AirPods, to be honest. Interesting, um, yeah. I don't know if battery life is gonna hold up. The case has wireless charging, mm -hmm. um, and they have a little pairing button on the case um, where the Apple logo is on the original um, to uh, pair with non-Apple devices, like if you have an Android phone or something. Right. And so it's interesting because I was like, what a coincidence that I would receive these the same day that Apple announces AirPods Pro. So I did a, a video, I'm going to be posting it on my YouTube channel, it's just a quick little unboxing showing you how good they've gotten at cloning this. You right. know, it's like back when I was at Engadget, we use this word a lot and you don't hear it too much anymore. It's a four initial K-I-R-F, keeping it real fake, hashtag curf. <laughs> this is like the yeah. ultimate hashtag curf. And so... You know, um, I'm just impressed that somebody's been able to replicate the, and, and it's, it's to the point, Carl, where you can open the door on the on these fakes, and the Apple, like it, it registers on the iPhone like as AirPods, like you know what I'm saying, like it brings up the interface. And so even with like setup, you know that. Yeah, yeah, they really? have that going. Yeah, I don't know. And and when you pair them with your phone, it says AirPods. The Bluetooth name by default says AirPods. Right. Oh, I wonder interesting. if they're made in the same factory or something. Anyway, the thing that's crazy about <laughs> yeah. them is that they do—they are different. They sound—they sound better in my opinion, and I'm sure yeah. they don't have all the features and like the latency improve, like all the improve, like the W1 chip stuff, right? Like yeah. all the yeah. really great. I'm sure that's not in there, but you know, nonetheless. Oh, it even has a lightning connector, which, as you know, no device, very few devices have a, a lightning connector that like 
accepts a lightning cable. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's you have to be MFI best buddies with Apple to get that. So right? I think that might be coming from the same factory then, you know, just the little offshoot there. <laughs> it's crazy. Either that or this is just a lightning connector with not without the authentication chip and it right. just right. works, right? Like I mean, who yeah. knows? This is China. Anyway, back to the AirPods Pro. I love the design. I love that they're small, the stems are shorter. Mm-hmm. Obviously you haven't used them. How's that experience with uh squeezing the stems i hear that it does a little click sound kind of like the the macbook trackpads right yeah it's um you know it it's pretty seamless kind of in like apple fashion it just makes sense when you you know hold on the stem you'll there's like this actual like flat part of the stem that you know your finger will identify that hey this is you know the correct part i'm grabbing onto and then you know holding it down that enables transparency mode uh that's probably the best ambient noise um you know type of software that I've ever like heard. So I think transparency mode is probably one of my favorite features because you know there are those times when you're on the subway and you know there's a sound thing that goes off, you know, you can see everyone looking around and you're like what's, you know, what's going on? I've got active noise canceling on and then you know you press the stem. I did that the other day and then you know you can kind of hear what's going on around you and you can even hear your own voice which is kind of cool. No, of course. It's actually funny how many reviewers are gushing about this feature because that's on Mm -hmm. every good pair of uh, uh, noise-canceling headphones that I've ever used. Like my Sony WH-1000... X, what I do, you know, whatever they are, the and Mark threes, and then, you know, yeah. the yeah. the QC thirties, and yeah. and and I mean, it's funny that I, I guess there's not that many. Well, I shouldn't say that the Sony's WF one thousand X, the the earbud ones that have noise canceling, they do also have the thing where you can touch the touchpad and it goes into transparency mode. So I'm surprised yeah. that people are so excited about that because that's kind of a necessary feature if you have ANC on. For me, I fly a lot and yeah. I just when I'm on the airplane and, and I hear the pilot making an announcement, it's not the flight attendant telling me about safety, but the pilot comes on. I usually cover the ear cups on my on my Mark III headphones from Sony just right. to hear what if you know there's something important the pilot has to say. And I love it. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's funny that you mentioned flying. Um, You know, we both fly like a ton. And this is probably the place where I wouldn't use AirPod Pros. Exactly. Um, You know, I pass out, you know, all the time when I'm uh, flying. And to lose one of those things, if you think about it, it's like 125 bucks per per pod. Wow. If that thing were to fall out. And I can't imagine looking through your seat trying to find that guy. And uh, obviously compared to, you know, dedicated over-the-ear cans, um, you know, they're just not as good. I think it's the battery life that doesn't make it practical. I think that the AirPod Pros are probably comfortable enough, but then after Mm -hmm. four hours, you need to charge them up again. If you're on a 14-hour flight, then, uh, you know, my my, uh, Sonys, they last 30 hours on a charge. So it's like, I can do two flights. I don't even have to charge them when I get to my destination. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look, you're right. It's not designed for that. It's designed for commuting and it's designed to provide uh, more insulation so that you can enjoy your music more and better sound quality so you can enjoy your music more. With, of course, the drawback that, yes, you are now a little more, have to be a little more aware of your surroundings unless Mm -hmm. you turn off the noise cancellation, which you can do. Um, And I love the interface. I love how they've implemented it as a double tap in the volume slider. There's a whole bunch of great Apple user experience features there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think this is a this is a no brainer. If I mean, if you're an Apple person right now, 
and you've been waiting for something that sounds better than the AirPods, this is it. Like, do not yeah. even go anywhere else. You, you've got it. This is your commuter's dream come true. And if you're an Android user, I would say give them a try because honestly, I've used AirPods with Android phones before. And yeah, mm -hmm. you lose some of the convenience feature, but the yeah. experience isn't diminished that much. And especially with this active noise cancellation, I think you're going to really benefit, right? Yeah, I think the only thing you miss out on is, you know, Siri integration, but, um, you know, there are definitely better choices than Siri, so you're not missing out too much. I'm wondering, actually, if anybody's tested that and if, you know, a long hold of the stem still triggers um, something that in the Android software brings up the Google Assistant. It's very possible because a lot of yeah. that is driven by standardized, you know, take a call, reject a call mechanisms right. in these. So... In standard Bluetooth protocol, it might just, it's possible Apple mapped this to some extent to work kind of possibly once you've configured them, you know? It'd be interesting. Somebody's going to have to try that. I don't have them. Otherwise, I would have by now. <laughs> Maybe I it's a video <laughs> for you, Carl. I was going to say, that's that's the next viral video. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, any other thoughts on that? Do you think, I mean, I think the pricing's right. The, mm -hmm. the technology and the size is really great. I love how they have that. Um, balancing of air pressure system. That's one of the biggest problems I yeah. have. I mean, personally, I'm used to it because I've been using in-ear in canal earbuds with passive noise cancellation, like basically the ones that are basically earplugs in your ears for years, yeah. like wired ones. Uh, when I flew before, active noise canceling headphones were a thing. So I don't mind, but I know that for a lot of people, the reason they don't like the noise insulating earbuds is because of the pressure differential. And yeah. I know that Apple finally nailed that by having a port in there that lets the, the air balance between the two cavities, as it were, right? Yeah, it's interesting. It's that small little, you know, at first I thought that was, you know, just a design differentiator to show people, hey, like I've spent, you know, 250 bucks on AirPod Pros. But yeah, it's, it's actually a vent that, you know, allows, like you said, air to go through kind of balances that uh, that pressure and there's microphones actually on both sides so you know it's kind of sensing what you know the ambient sound is outside and then on the inside it's actually listening to you know the reverb from what's going in your ear canal to kind of adjust the eq and it does tune it not just once like like my sony's you can tune them to your ears Right. Um, you know, there's a button in the app, you do that and then it's tuned, but then you have to do it again if you change altitude or whatever. Um, this is dynamic, right? I think it happens uh, like a uh, hundred times a second or something like that. Yeah, it's something ridiculous, which, uh, yeah, when I kind of got, um, you know, a quick, you know, spiel, like I got the PR email, I was like, whoa, really? Like it's, uh, it's that much? That's, that's crazy. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. I think that's kind of unique. Uh, the size, of course, you know, the technology that's very, you know, they still aren't the best at making small, very small, super high quality product with great mm -hmm. battery life. Nobody has come this close. I mean, you compare the size of these um, to the Sony ones, this is the WF-1000s, yep. it's like not even in the same league. And, you know, there's, of course, the Amazon ones and the... Uh, I don't think the Amazon ones have noise cancelling, so they don't count. We have to think of the ones that have noise cancelling. There's not really that many earbuds that are good that have noise cancelling. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think this is exciting. I'm looking forward to trying. Like, this is the first time that I'm actually thinking, maybe I should just buy a pair and just try them <laughs> out. Yeah. Because, I mean, the AirPods, I know they're going to be great, but 
I, I knew they're going to sound like crap because I listened to them once and I was just like, meh. And, right. and for me, that's, you know, that's more important, the sound quality than the experience in some ways. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I, I chat to a lot of like people about that because, um, you know, I, I feel like I border onto the, you know, lifestyle tech, um, you know, kind of route. And, yeah. you know, I'm actually willing to sacrifice some sound quality for, say, like the convenience, the, you know, the ease of it. And that's why I still would probably, you know, I use my original AirPods until, you know, two days ago, almost every single day. And, um, you know, this, like you said, it's it's kind of huge for me to get, you know, something that sounds better and still have that same, you know, ease and form factor. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think the other thing that's, again, it's a software, little details that it's yeah. Apple sweats the details. And that's what we love about them. And it's the... Um, you know, the uh, part where it tells you whether you have the right tip installed, right? So yeah. that's using that internal microphone and that echo, you know, detection inside your ear canal mm-hmm. or, you know, basically does sonar to analyze your ear canal. Um, you know, that thing is really brilliant because I always, you know, I kind of know roughly what my ear size is from years and years of using in-ear canal earbuds. But yeah. this is going to be a new experience for so many users, right? Yeah. And they're going to need to know, like, is this, am I hearing this right? Is this, is this in my ear properly? And this tells them. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I was very lucky that, you know, say the original AirPods fit me kind of perfectly. But, you know, a lot of my friends, my girlfriend, like, they're like, oh, these always fall out of my ear. They're, you know, they just don't fit properly or they hurt too much. Um, you know, and I think having the different choice options of tips Obviously, I don't agree that they charge. I think it's four fifty if you lose them from the store, which is ridiculous for you know one cent or two cent silicone tips. But hey, you know that's uh, well it is for what it Apple. Is. That's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, right? Yeah. I mean, don't argue too much. Just go with it. You know. At yeah, this point, true, true. If no, you it's... spend two hundred fifty thousand uh, fifty dollars or three hundred twenty nine Canadian on these, honestly, yeah. the four dollars US. Whatever translates to being Canadian dollars for um, for the uh, Canadian pricing of the yeah. of the replacement tips is going to be the least of your concerns. Okay. <laughs> no, you're you're right. You're right. It, I guess that's the same as you know driving a fancy car and complaining about premium gas. I mean, I would actually preemptively buy a bunch and keep them in my bag or something at that yeah. point. You know. Once you yeah. determine which size is right for you. And the other thing is, and, and obviously Apple made, made a point of this, but I've always said that to people who you know use earbuds with a rubber or silicone tip is that you might not need the same size on both sides. So just be aware oh, of yeah. that, you know, feel what your ears are telling you and go from there, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean, this is good news. Um, I was kind of hoping they would announce a MacBook 16 the next day though. Uh, <laughs> that's Pro the one 16. that, you know, we're all kind of, you know, keeping our fingers crossed for. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to do that before, uh, you know, end of year. I think they still have maybe like a one to two week window before, uh, you know, they really want to ramp up for Christmas. So we'll see. I mean, it you know it would be a nice holiday gift, especially before the U.S. Thanksgiving timeframe, right. which is coming yep. up. I kind of want to see it. I mean, I'm not going to run out and buy one. I don't need one right now. But I'm thinking that for a lot of people, hopefully, it solves a lot of pain points, especially around the keyboard. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, this wasn't in the show notes, but this is how the podcast is. There were rumors by the, you know, if case you're listening and you're wondering what we're talking about, there were rumors of a MacBook Pro 16 potentially coming uh, this week. So, I mean, it's been coming for a while. We know there's been leaks and stuff, but, you know, not this week. So maybe next week or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe early December. That would be very weird for Apple to do, but it is not like a kind of gift you buy for the holidays per se it's more like i need a tool i'm a professional let's buy a new tool so they could get away with selling it anytime really yeah you're right yeah um are you excited about that are you uh using a macbook pro right now or any macbook air or what are you uh what are you on when you're on the go yeah so uh i do have the latest you know 2019 uh, you know, MacBook Pro 15 inch. It's the the one with the eight cores, and uh, yeah, it's it's obviously a portable beast. Yeah. Um, and you know, you kind of need that when you're in the YouTube game. I you know record in 4K. I yeah, I 4K is where yeah. it's like you know you're in a different league. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like, <laughs> you need yeah. some serious power. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my current machine, and uh, you know, obviously, if the 16-inch drops, you know, I just kind of always shake my head at my wallet sometimes. But you know, that's kind of the the nature of the game being in the tech YouTube space. Yeah, I know. I mean, I you know, I just feel like it's if you're doing 4K, this is going to be a no-brainer, especially if they improve the keyboard and they yeah. put a real escape key in there. For me, that is going to be the the thing because I'm not a big fan of the Touch Bar because right. I, you know, I'm a former game developer, so I like my function keys and I like my escape button. A lot of people don't think it's a big deal, but having a phys- at least a physical escape key is, yeah. is something that I feel is, is critical. So this might be the one that I actually go like, okay, I think I can do the touch bar now. I've been trying to avoid it for a while now. but <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not too crazy about the touch bar either. It's... Um... You know, maybe the coolest thing, most gimmicky is, you know, just scrolling through your uh, emojis when you're on iMessage. But, uh, you know, to have a glorified touch bar that, you know, they claim that makes it more expensive, I'd rather just have the dedicated hard keys. For sure. Speaking of great keyboards, I got a Pixelbook Go review unit this week. Watch Sweet. for a YouTube unboxing video on my channel. Um, you've, I think you've got one as well. What's been your experience with this device? Yeah, I got one, you know, uh, you know, we were chatting about uh, when we were at the Pixel 4 launch and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to grab a review unit as well. And, you know, I've unboxed it, I've used it quickly, and it's in the step of the right direction, I think, that Google needs to go in. The, uh, what was the one from last year? Was that the, the Slate? The Slate was a disaster. And then two oh years ago, God. we had the actual Pixel yeah. book, which I still use, which I absolutely love. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, the Slate, I thought, was just, ugh, that was... That was, I will say, pretty much awful. It yeah. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that good, and uh, you know, I think they need to go towards you know just dedicated Chromebooks. You know, nothing fancy, um, because you know, in the end, you don't need a ultra expensive. I can't remember how much the Slate was, but it was definitely pricey. Yeah, that's running you know Chrome OS. Yeah, it was uh, the Pixel Slate was just. A, I don't even want to talk about it. It was such a mess. <laughs> it, it does, in my yeah. world, it doesn't exist. I, the real Look, the reason is this. I'm a Chromebook user since day one. Like I, yeah. I, I wrote the first story in Engadget about Chromebooks. And so yeah. from that day, I was convinced because I always thought like, if you're mostly on the web, you really don't need anything else. Like I understand that, you know, I use a MacBook because I need to edit video and edit photos. And for that, you can't beat that. Or like a, or like a Surface Laptop 13 or something. I get it, right? Yeah. 
totally get it. But if you're just like doing, you know, what we, a lot of bloggers and, and tech journalists do, which is, you know, the non, you know, YouTube creator journalists that just write stories, you just really need to be on the web. Yeah. And at that point, a Chromebook makes a lot of sense. But mm -hmm. Chromebooks have always been from day one, kind of like angled at education and cheaper and, uh, you know, and for that, they, they fit, you know, in the early days, they were a little rocky. But then by about year three, Google put their foot down and said, you need a good trackpad. You need a good keyboard. We need to standardize this keyboard layout. We need to uh, mm -hmm. force everyone to use really, you know, nice glass trackpads and stuff. And everybody did. And and then it, it became a decent experience, even at $300, right? Yeah. But there was always this kind of halo effect of Google doing their own thing and showing what a Chromebook could be. Nobody bought it, but it was always there. And it started with the Chromebook Pixel that then got a next generation and that then eventually got replaced by the Pixelbook, which then got not replaced, but again, by the one we don't want to speak of, the Pixel Slate. And then now we have this Pixel Book Go. So I think what you have to think about, and I'm not talking specifically you, Carl, but I think the audience here is that there's kind of the Chromebook world, and then there's kind of like the Chromebooks, the generic ones made by Acer, Asus, yeah. uh, you know, HP and Dell, etc. And they're affordable. There's a few of them that are mid-range and pretty nice. But then there's Google's view on that, Google's perspective. And that's all the what we can basically put under the name Pixelbook, even right. though the original Chromebook Pixel was called Chromebook Pixel. Um, really, high, like they've always gone for really high end, like a thousand dollar, like basically compete with MacBook. Even the entry level MacBook Airs have always been what, eight, nine hundred dollars, right? So mm -hmm. like we're talking way more than an average Chromebook. And that's kind of where the Pixelbook go kind of lives and in that in that range in that realm it is affordable for a mm -hmm. pixel book but it does make some sacrifices in my opinion compared to what google has served us up for all these years starting with the chromebook pixel they went with 3.2 aspect ratio yeah. a touch screen and a retina display like some sort of high-res 2k plus display mm -hmm. and and, you know, that was a revelation. And of course, a good keyboard, a good trackpad, good battery life. And, you know, I got, I never bought a Pixel or Pixel book from like a Pixel, Chromebook Pixel, Pixel book from Google. Thankfully, they, they were nice to provide me with devices. But I have to tell you that if you've used a MacBook Pro, it's basically the same experience, but dedicated to Chrome OS and Chrome. And it's a great experience. Like you're, you know, you're really loving that keyboard and that trackpad and that display and the lightweight and the metal construction and the battery life and all the good stuff. Yep. And then the Pixel Book original really took this to the next level by making it a two-in-one that converted into a tablet, right? And had a pen and a bunch of stuff. So the Pixel Book Go, where does it fit? So basically, it's kind of like six forty-nine entry price, thirteen ninety-nine. This is U.S. pricing. Yeah. Uh, for a high-end model, which I wouldn't buy at this point, you can still buy the Pixel Book, the yeah. original, and I would go for that. If you're spending more than $1,000 on a Pixel Book Go, you're doing it wrong. But at that sweet spot of about six to $800, I think the Pixel Book Go is actually a much better experience than what you get from the competition at the same price. The keyboard is insane. How do you feel yeah. is the keyboard? Because, you know, the butterfly keys are, we know how... We love to hate them and hate to love them or whatever it yeah. is. 
How do you feel about because to me that keyboard is even better than the Pixelbook original on the go. So I actually love the yeah the keyboard is probably my favorite thing on uh, on the Pixelbook Go. It's uh, yeah it's just lovely to use. I was just you know just trying to be productive you know just catching up on a ton of emails and stuff, and um, yeah it was great. I loved and the, it. The 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 you know the weight and the like shape of the device is super thin super light because it's magnesium it's painted magnesium. Yeah. The verdicts will be out to see how it wears. You remember when. Apple did the titanium power book back in the day. The paint yep. would chip off that thing after a while and would look a little mangy. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen with the Pixelbook Go. But at the same yeah. time right now, new in hand, it feels really ergonomic and really lightweight and nice, right? Yeah, and you know, from the uh, kind of launch, I was a bit skeptical on, you know, the grooving on, you know, the back. But uh, I found it like very grippable, and uh, I'm just wondering, you know, if there's going to get gunk caught in there. I'm not too sure how that will hold up, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of being great to hold. I actually think, you know, putting my engineering hat on, I feel like they did a really smart thing there because by uh, putting ripples in it, you make the base the the chassis stronger. You yeah. make you allow airflow when the thing is resting on a on a surface. So mm-hmm. now you're better cooling, and you increase the surface area, so you even have better cooling. So it's like basically a really good passive cooling solution that gives you a better grip and looks cosmetically cool and gives gives you a stronger chassis, right? It's a very yeah. interesting concept. Um, I kind of wish they did the lid the same way as well, to be honest. That would have been really oh, unique, interesting. Right? Yeah. Maybe not as aggressively grooved, but in that same kind of league. Right. Um, and then the other thing is... Uh, you know, in typical fashion, USB-C on both sides, headphone jack, mm-hmm. which the Slate didn't have last year. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of nice. Uh, but the thing that to me makes me want to go back to my original Pixelbook, which is a much more expensive product, but this is where they cut the corners, is the display. So they went from, uh, you know, three by two aspect ratio, which I think is what Apple uses as well, which I think is much better. Well, I think Apple is... Something slightly in between that and 16.9. But the yeah. point is, this is 16.9, which I don't think is a good screen form factor, in my opinion, mm-hmm. on laptops. But that's maybe because I'm used to Macs and I'm used to the Pixelbooks 3.2 and the Surface uh, laptops, which are 3.2 as well. So 16.9 yeah. is not my favorite, but I could totally not care about the aspect ratio if this display wasn't kind of meh. It is not bright enough in direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. It is... Not the highest resolution, 1080p, right? There's a 4K option, but at that point, if you spend that kind of money, Carl, why not not buy not not just buy the actual Pixel Book, right? Like again, over a thousand dollars of Pixel Book Go doesn't make sense, in my opinion. Yeah, I, you know what, I'm not, I'm not too, um, you know, I'm not too fussy about, you know, the display being, you know, not super high res. It's, you know, you, you kind it's of fine. know, you, you're going in with that notion. You're in that price price range of, you know, six to eight hundred bucks. You know, you know, there's going to be sacrifices. I'm not going to be pixel peeping or doing, you know, super, you know, high res stuff on this thing. It's, you know, I don't think that's what it's meant for. And, you know, I'd be willing to sacrifice that for the budget cut. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, you know, the display ratio. I just had the uh, the Surface uh, Laptop 3. That's three by two. Like you said, the Apple is kind of in between somewhere. Yeah, you know, I... I it's a yes and no, you know. It's it's love to hate, but I'm not really. Yeah, it's too, not a deal breaker. Uh, exactly, but the deal breaker deal is breaker. the brightness. I think it could be brighter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, when you're used to Retina like type displays on a laptop, you notice when you go back to a 1080p 
yes. display. And yes. that's what I'm saying. And then the other thing is, is of course, it's got a touchscreen, which a lot of people don't realize because it is not a two-in-one, but it does have the touchscreen, which yep. for some things, just like the Surface laptop, can come in handy. Sometimes scrolling is faster by flicking your finger on the screen or whatever. Yep. And, uh, you know, look, it's... Um, I, you know, when they showed it to us in New York, I was just like, cool. Um, maybe a little like pricey, but then I thought I saw of it competing with regular Chromebooks. Um, now that I know that it's a Pixel Book and has that Google experience in terms of build quality, the keyboard, the trackpad, maybe yeah. not the display, but it's close. That's I think a decent price, uh, and and it's a very delightful little machine and i'm a little more happy with it now that i've used it for a few days i've actually been <laughs> writing some stories on it and that keyboard man that keyboard is really making me happy i really hope yeah. that 16 inch macbook pro we just talked about it just blows us away with the keyboard i know apple can do it you know apple can do it right yeah do you th i i still think they're gonna stick to the butterfly switches to be oh, honest i, I hope that's pain. that's my prediction i know but you know they're kind of set on, you know, obviously it's part of the design. They want to keep things ultra thin. Um, I do not see them moving away from that. But well, let's see. Prove I, me wrong. I'm, prove me I'm wrong. I'm hoping that they... I'm I haven't looked at the leaks, so I, you know, I might be out of the loop here. Like, I'm not saying that... I'm absolutely not invested in butterfly versus scissor. Like, I'm not that... That's not the argument. The argument is I want a keyboard that feels better and is more reliable definitely more reliable but m more importantly that has a little more travel you yep. could do that with butterfly like i'm not saying you can't do butterfly like i just think that apple needs to completely redesign the keyboard and i'm hoping that that 16 inch macbook pro is the first laptop that kind of brings this to the table where apple yep. makes a fuss about it in their presentation right they're like look they're not going to admit that they did anything wrong but they're going to say we built you know we built the best keyboard we've ever built like they always say right Right. And then, like, have that Johnny Ive type video that goes into the details, you know? <laughs> but well, this you know, time, I... actually deliver, you know? But because they yeah. did have that video when the original MacBook 12 inch came out showing the scissor keys and all that, it was like a big brouhaha, right? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, the, you know, the keyboard has been, you know, a letdown, I think, out of my last, you know, two MacBook Pros, you know, 2017, 2018. I've had to take those both in at least, you know, two times with, you know, issues with my keyboard, spacebar is getting stuck. Um, that's, you know, but, you know, Apple's, I guess, you know, repair team or, you know, customer experience is, you know, top notch. They just, you know, fully swapped it out. Wasn't even an issue. Uh, but, you know, it's more of the, you know, the hassle of going in, you know, not yeah. having your laptop for, you know, a couple of days. That, yeah. uh, that definitely sucks. It's not something they can do on the spot, unfortunately. It's not like a battery right. replacement. They exactly. can do it yeah. in 20 minutes. So. It's challenging and, you know, I, I don't know. I look, I'm a longtime Apple fan, despite, you know, my readers know, listeners know that I'm not a huge iOS person. Like that's, okay, I, I love the, the Apple hardware and products. I'm yeah. not a big fan of the ecosystem and uh, like how it kind of locks you in. And I'm not a big fan of iOS, but I'm a longtime Mac user and I love Mac OS. And I think iPad OS is getting very interesting and iOS is getting very good. I could totally live with an iPhone, especially the 11 is a, the entire 11 series is a magnificent device this year yeah, and all that. But, but I just want to say like Macs are my kind of like my dear, very dear to my heart. So I just really 
would have loved in, a, in a, an alternative his an alternate history, Apple would have not <laughs> messed up this keyboard situation. You know what I'm saying? Like another they, universe, and yeah. they wouldn't, and the touch bar wouldn't exist. Like you know, that's yeah. in the alternative in the alternate history that Miriam created. That's what would happen. Um, but a lot of other like stuff, it. like I don't have any issues with the laptops being super thin, only having USB C and all that. Yes, right. I think a full size SD slot would make sense on a larger uh, MacBook of like a 16 inch MacBook. Pro it would be nice because creators really need it yeah. but i don't think that it's that huge of a deal and i understand like going with USB-C and thunderbolt standardizing around that is very apple and makes a lot of sense and now mm -hmm. that my entire world is USB-C, all we need is a new USB-C iphone right apple i was just gonna say the 11 pro should have been USB-C. so 100%. much 100 yes. uh so much yeah they Ugh. they missed the ball there because i think you know they have the ipad pro with USB-C. Um, you know, their, their pro product should at least carry, you know, USB-C as a standard, but I think it's coming next we'll see it. year. We'll see it, obviously. And yeah. obviously. It's in the roadmap for sure. It's so, I would love to know what goes on inside of Apple <laughs> about this because like, I know they have MFI and they make a lot of money out of certifying accessories for this, like, you know, licensing fees, all that. And, and I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, Apple, you're so rich right now. Do you really need it? Like... You, the sooner you switch your iPhones to USB-C, the sooner your customers will be happy. Like they're going to be upset once again, like you when you switch from 30 pin to lightning. And at the time you switched to lightning, lightning made sense. There was nothing out there that was better than lightning. Yeah. And I get it. But then as soon as USB-C came out, you know, you should have started planning that maybe two years down the road, you were going to go USB-C. But USB-C is five years old now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's... And you've adopted it with your MacBooks since the 12-inch original MacBook, the scissor keyboard MacBook that I have, by the way. And <laughs> I'm still on my original keyboard, and every now and then I get a stuck key. And you know what right. I do? <laughs> I just mash at it really hard, and then it unsticks. <laughs> Seriously. I wish like, I could do that. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about the very first-gen, uh, uh, you know, butterfly keyboard but yes it sometimes has keys that get stuck but you just like just like fucking mash at it really hard a few times and it just fixes itself it's just magic i love it um but the newer ones seem to be much more like once they're stuck they're stuck and you just yeah. nothing you can do like my uh you know my space bar i remember just no matter what i did it would just not hit and it was almost like it was just stuck to the chassis it uh, yeah super frustrating <laughs> oh apple you're gonna make us cry <laughs> keep doing butterfly keyboard uh anyway yeah so i'm look the, the the pixel book go i think if you're willing to take a bit of a like if you're looking for a really high quality chromebook and you're willing you want to pay a little less than buying a pixel book which you can still buy and get mm -hmm. a, maybe a slightly newer processor in there because the pixel book's getting a bit long in the tooth in terms of intel processors i say look at the pixel book go because if you don't spend money on the highest, if you just got the i5 that I have, which is like eight gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage, is 849 is the list price on that one. You're gonna be very, very happy. And I think you're gonna be happier than any other Chromebook at that price point. And the only thing you have to kind of decide for yourself is whether you're okay with that display being a little dim, a little low res, and you know, aspect ratio is really not a big deal, but it's definitely a difference if you're used to uh, higher end pixel books. So, that's it. That's that's my takeaway. And yep. your battery life is killer on this thing. I just, you know, they say 12 hours. I would say I evenly, I easily got 10 out of it. 
Uh, and you know, Chrome is a dog. Like <laughs> if you run Chrome on a Mac, uh, you know how much it kills resources and battery life. So yes, having a sadly. device that runs Chrome and lasts 10 hours without any having to tweak anything is kind of nice, honestly, right? Yeah. Uh, assuming you're a Chrome user and not a Safari user or I have Firefox. I use Firefox a lot, actually. I'm, mm. a, I'm on Chrome. I Dirty know that, little uh, secrets. <laughs> you know, I did used to be on Safari, but, uh, you know, I made the switch to Chrome. There's just so many other extensions that you can add. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Safari is a great browser if you're not like a heavy, heavy user, I think. Yes, exactly. Thing, you know? yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the world of the Pixelbook Go. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of... Uh, non-Apple devices. Um, have you had a chance to play with that LG G8X ThinQ dual screen? Oh my God, what a mouthful that name is. <laughs> That's so funny because I actually got it, uh, yeah, I think also two days ago. I initially thought it was, uh, you know, my delivery of my AirPods Pro coming in early. You know, I got <laughs> a little notification. I was like, yes, I got something. But it turned out to be, yeah, the long name dual screen LG phone. I don't even know the exact, uh, yeah. The <laughs> so what's your, what, have you set it up? What's your, what's your kind of gut feeling on the, like immediately, especially since you're more of an Apple guy. Yeah. Like where does it tickle your fancy? Are you like, uh huh, this is cool. Or are you like, bah, I mean, be honest because that's what I we want to do. I think it here. was the, uh, it was the latter. I, uh, you know, I've used say, you know, the second gen Samsung fold. That was a device that, you know, I was impressed with it. I thought, you know, the build was great. It felt premium. You know, coming from an iPhone, you're in that premium smartphone category. And, you know, when I held, you know, the, the second screen of this LG phone, you know, I almost thought it was, you know, because I, I don't really look at leaks. I don't really look at the news going on. I kind of just receive a device. And, you know, my actual initial impressions are when I'm actually holding the device for the first time. And uh, I thought they sent me the wrong phone, to be honest. <laughs> when I unboxed it, there's only one phone in the, you know, in the main box. And I didn't know that they sent the second device or the screen attachment case, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it, in, you know, in a separate one. And, um, you know, I, I saw a few photos online. And what I initially thought from, you know, most folding phones, it would be just one device, you know, together. Like, that's what you assume when you see a folding phone. But, uh, you know, LG's take on it is let's, you know, give people the option, which I like, you know, you have the option if you want to have two screens, you can have it. But I think the actual case just feels a bit finicky. You know, it, it yeah. almost feels like, a, you know, a silicone case. And um, I think if they spent, say, you know, 50, you know, or maybe $100 extra, you would pay to have, you know, something a bit more premium, like whether that's metal, I don't know how the phone would get in there, but... Yeah, I just, I, I'm not too crazy about it. What about the experience? I mean, I'll, I'm going to let jump in about what my thoughts are on the, the hardware itself, but yep. I want to hear what, for me, I think this is the kind of product that's really made by the experience. And that's kind of where I think it falls apart. Yeah, you know, and that kind of, you know, the same kind of thing, the, you know, although the screens are identical, say, you know, on the second screen, for some reason, you still have the front facing camera cut out, even though there's nothing there. Yeah, you know, And I know that LG did that because, you know, people complain that, oh, the color temperatures are different. It doesn't look like it's, you know, continuous. So LG is like, hey, let's just use the exact same screen on both of these, but let's have a cutout for a non-existing camera. Like to me, you know, that that doesn't really make any sense. Right. Yeah. I think for me, okay, so 
if the phone the phone by itself is unremarkable it's basically the same as the g8 was yep. with a few things added and a few things removed on the added um well I, you can not, it's really just a few things removed <laughs> if you think about it um but some things were removed that were useless on the original so it's a good thing you know what i'm saying it's kind of hard to explain but if you look at the original g8 the one thing that made it great was that it was a very small phone in hand like yeah it was a 6.1 inch display so a small phone and it felt nice in hand because of that. It was unremarkable in many other ways. It has a stupid gimmicks, a gesture gimmicks that weren't really good at all and mm -hmm. nobody cared about. But it did have 3D face unlock, which, you know, was slightly more secure than most face unlocks on most Android phones. So that bonus for that. Um, and the cameras on the original, believe it or not, if you're a bit of a camera person like I am and you really focus on imaging and you know your Android imaging ecosystem well, they were up there. They didn't get a lot of love from the rest of the media, but I did some tests and I was actually really impressed with it. And of course, there are only two, ultra wide and a regular, no zoom, no telephoto. But yeah. I was really quite impressed, especially low light. And the reason for that is f over 1.4 and, you know, really large pixels on that 12 megapixel main sensor. And I'm talking about the G8 here, the original. So mm -hmm. that, you know, and you had a quad HD display at 6.1 inches. So that was pretty good, like pretty exciting. I think it's 6.1. I mean, it's, it's smaller than 6.4 is all I know. Um, so now the G8X, but in a vacuum without the case is basically same spec, Snapdragon 855, uh, six gigs of RAM, 120 gigs of storage, micro SD, uh, wireless charging, all that stuff. But in front, on front, they don't have that big notch with the 3D scanner and the gesture stuff. They have a teardrop, as you said, with a 32 megapixel, uh, you know, a four in one uh, binning of pixels thing. So it outputs eight megapixels. Um, and the selfie camera is definitely a slight improvement, but mm -hmm. the rear cameras, they cheapened them. I don't know if you looked at the specs, it's F over 1.8 instead of F over 1.4. Um, oh, and no, yeah, and get this, the, what made the G8, original G8 interesting was that the ultra wide was f of 1.9. You don't see an ultra wide with that fast of a lens normally. And it was a 16 megapixel sensor. So you had a lot of detail and a lot of a decent low light performance on an ultra wide, which really made it unique. Now the, the G8X, uh, it brings it down to a 13 megapixel with an f of a 2.4 lens. So it's just basically a very generic ultra wide sensor. So the right. camera is just passable on the G8X. You know, it's just it's just worse actually. And the display, even though it's bigger at 6.4 inches and has a smaller notch, is a 1080p display. So you lose a little bit in terms of you know DPI like pixel density. But overall, the phone is very boring and very generic and very LG in that sense. And there's really yeah, nothing to get excited bland. here. So that's kind of my take on the hardware in a vacuum. And then if you put it in the case, well. You get a second this identical display and then you get a front little oled notification display and i agree right. with you the case is kind of a mixed bag because it feels the glass part feels really nice right you have like nice gorilla glass on all yep. the surfaces but then all the edges and everything is plastic feels pla and, yeah and feels the back is at the fake leather texture to it yeah uh, or it's... whatever like green weird grain to it and it just feels kind of cheap and Oh, the other difference between the two phones, by the way, is that the original had a, in, in the back had a capacitive fingerprint sensor, and this has an in-display fingerprint sensor. But here's the thing. The G8X's in-display fingerprint sensor, um, it's not 
too fast, but not too slow. It's fine in terms of speed. The problem is that I get a lot of false readings on it. Like I get a lot of failures oh, on it, which I don't get on the OnePlus. I don't get on the Hua and the more recent Huawei phones. And yeah. I don't get on pretty much anything else anymore. I mean, there was a time when early optical fingerprint sensors under display were kind of crap. Uh, yeah. OnePlus 6T, anyone? Uh, and then they got They've good. They've gotten way and, better. They've right, gotten way, But the G8X to me feels like it's stuck in between somewhere. <laughs> And it's yeah. not reliable. And I'm like, how did you how did you fail at doing that one? So I'm gonna re-register my fingers because I maybe that's all it is. I just need to do it again. My oh, so have you been using the the G8X dual? So I have. And I stuck it in the case and I haven't taken it out of the case. The thing that's really there's so many weird things about this case. I mean, glass is nice, but this plastic construction otherwise. Yeah. And it makes for a bulky, you know, thick, bulky experience if you have both the phone and everything in there. And yeah. then you as you saw, they removed the USB C connector because the phone plugs via USB C to the case. And yeah. so they put this MagSafe like thing, right? Yes, like this Did little magnetic connector. So yeah. Basically in the box is an adapter. If you watch my unboxing, you'll see it. There's an adapter in the box that magnetically latches to the case, which is basically yeah. like a MagSafe, and it has a USB C port on it, and you plug your cable into that. And so it's cool. But it's, it feels like they only did it because they didn't have the depth to photo, put a real USB-C connector in there, right? And what happens when you lose that connector? Like, right. oh Not only that, but have you noticed how easy it is to take to, to accidentally hit it and it comes off? Like, it comes off, yeah. Like it, this yeah. one thing, MagSafe made sense because you didn't want your laptop to go careening down the coffee table and smash onto the ground. Your phone can careen down the coffee table and smash onto the ground, especially in a case. It'll be fine, you know? Um, Especially if you're charging, you're usually indoors. There's a wooden surface or probably a carpeted surface nearby. You're not having to worry too much about it taking a plunge. So I just don't understand. And then, of course, the headphone jack, because this is a cool thing. The G8, along with the G8X, both have that quad DAC LG super high quality amplifier and, and digital to analog converter for audio. If you're into wired audio, which I am into, it's one of the best audio experiences you can get on a phone with a headphone jack. So yep. headphone jack, kudos. But the case, with the case in, there's a little tunnel hole in the case for you to reach the headphone jack in the phone. And that you can almost put nothing in there. Like you have to have one of those super thin, thin yeah, uh, yeah. So connector like, like jacks on your headphones. Otherwise nothing fits. Like my, my Bayer Dynamics that I'm using right now for the podcast yeah. here, they don't fit in that hole. Um, so basically you need an adapter anyway, and it's kind of fail. And you can't plug a USB-C dongle because you need, it's a, it's a MagSafe it. thing. So yeah. there's a lot of weird little decisions here. And as you said, there's a notch on the second display to yeah. that because, you know, as you said, they match, the displays match for color temperature, for brightness, and that's good. I've never seen a dual display device because there was the ZT Axon M that was dual display. Yes. That, um, that, and yeah, the displays mobile, didn't yeah. match. Remember that? Like, that's right. Yeah. There were like different color temperatures and different, well, like, it was terrible. That still feels, I think, more premium of an experience than... You know, then this thing, you know, Absolutely. and that ZTE device is how many years old now? I know. Um, and, you know, this, I, you know, the saving grace, yeah, it's like around, what, 700 bucks compared to, say, $2,000 for Correct. the Samsung. Like, yeah. that is their only saving grace that, you know, it's just cheaper. If they made the case more premium, they might take a chunk of the market, you know, because... Obviously, foldable phones are a thing now. It's, you know. I mean, the price is right. I think $699 with the case included is really decent. And I mean, if that's what you're looking for, 
kudos yeah. to you. But I think there's yeah. a lot of you know, head scratching implementation issue. Again, you know, I understand why there's a notch on the second display because again, you know, it's cheaper to manufacture a display that's identical on both sides and, you know, mass 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 production makes prices go down. I get it. But it's so yeah. weird. Like people look at it and go like, oh, there's a second camera in there. I'm like, nope. Nope. <laughs> and then everybody's like, uh, but, you <laughs> what's know, it for that? <laughs> yeah. But as you said, you know, to me, the biggest thing, forget all that. You know, even and this is was the problem, the same problem with the Axon M was the user experience isn't there. Like, yeah. you know, yes, Android now supports multitasking way better than ever before, and you can definitely have two apps running side by side vertically, like portrait mode on both displays, and yep. that can be productive boom, a productive boom if you like, you know, wanting to look up a map on one side and you're writing on the other side or whatever. I get it, and and I've used that, but um, you can only spread an app across both displays if it's like like one of like five apps or something chrome being one of them yeah and that's like the three finger gesture to go over yeah yeah and then you have a massive gap in between them yeah which is like the, the axon m didn't have a huge gap in between them and right. of course the galaxy doesn't have a gap at all since it's a folding screen yeah and so to me that's a good use case i want to surf the web or watch Insta or look at instagram in a larger format of course you can't look at instagram on this phone in a larger format because that app doesn't stretch to both displays yeah you know the other i thought problem one of the coolest i guess like use cases uh they were actually demoing that was having say like you know your dedicated game controller on yes. you know, one screen the game you know running on the second and but you know it's nice to have, but how often are you actually doing that? Like, how often are you no. like, okay, I'm going to run this game. I want a gamepad. I'm going to buy a phone so it can be, you know, my right. gaming phone. Like, yeah. I'm going to give them credits for this part because that's, I think, is the best implementation of the entire system is how they have this game mode where you yeah. can pick a controller of your liking and design yeah. your own controller on the bottom screen. You, mm -hmm. you put it basically with screens and landscape and the top screen has your game running or you can have a YouTube video playing on the bottom screen or maybe a Twitch stream playing on the bottom screen and then you can right. have your game playing on the top screen uh, or vice versa. I mean, that stuff is, for gamers, I can see there is a potential point there. And yeah. of course, I also like the fact that they have uh, in certain apps, apps that support landscape, let you have a landscape keyboard on the bottom screen, which is bigger to type on and then the app running on the top screen. But here's the problem, Colin. This is where I really feel it falls apart in user experience. Half the apps I tried didn't support that. Right. Twitter doesn't go in landscape mode. It stays in portrait. Right. So even if you go to create a tweet and then your keyboard pops up, on the bottom half of the one display you're in, if you rotate it to landscape at that point, nothing happens because Twitter doesn't support landscape. So you don't get the keyboard on the bottom half of the bottom screen. You just get nothing on the bottom screen and the Twitter app running in portrait on the top screen. It's ridiculous. Same yeah. with Facebook. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. It's, uh, you know, it's, is this their first attempt? I, I can't even remember. They had something else before. No, they did before. the V50 as well. That's right. That's right. Okay. okay. Yeah, but it wasn't the V50. The thing about the V50 was it was even worse because it wasn't using USB-C. Yeah. So it was using that's like right. Pogo pins or something. Pogo, that's right. And that's the right. displays were different. So there was issues with color. So we're not even counting that. <laughs> yeah, we don't count that. But look, I, I, want, I don't want to be mean to LG because in the past they did some really great stuff. In the last few years, though, they've struggled to innovate in a way that makes sense. And this is, again, like the same as the G8 with the gestures that were gimmicks. This is not a gimmick. There is a potential use and productivity case for this. But the software and the experience just aren't there to really justify to me 
Although arguably 699 isn't a lot of money. For, so, so basically if you want to run two apps side by side in portrait mode, and this is super critical to whatever you're doing, that phone is fine with the case yeah. for 699. That's, that's the only use case. Or if you are a gamer and you want the game controls at the bottom. That's it. That's my yeah. take. You know? I, like, I like the option, you know, if you know, I were to grab this, I would probably have it out of the case, you know, 80, 90% of the time. And for those specific things, like say, you know, when I do some mobile gaming, yeah, I could throw the phone in, do mobile gaming. Once I'm done, I would take it out like, right but away. But that means where do you put the case when you're not using it? <laughs> then you forget it at home. I was going to say, yeah, at home. Yeah, sure. And you have a very mad phone. Like, honestly, at $699, yeah. I would buy a OnePlus 7T. And it thing that thing just runs circles around it in yeah, every oh, sure. possible sure. conceivable way, right? Absolutely. Yep. Um, before we wrap up on the G8X, I just wanted to say that there is another difference between that and the original G8 is that the battery size, because it's a bigger phone with a bigger display. Battery life on the original G8 was a bit of an issue because it had like a 3000 milliamp hour battery or something small. And this is 4000, so this is much, much better battery life. And you need that because you're driving two displays. And I've actually have to say that the battery life on this phone with both displays has kind of impressed me. I did, definitely did some good work there in terms of optimizing for battery life, considering you're firing an entire other OLED panel and a small little panel on the front as well. Yeah, I think they said the secondary display would take, I think, like 20%. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, it is, it's obviously better. You need that battery size to, like you said, run two displays. So, you know, again, I, I don't want to be mean to LG because I know they're trying. And of course, they're having really issues with their market share in the phone world. Right. Um, and But they need to like, I, I really want them to do what they did in the early days of the G series, right? The, the Optimus G was the first one, then the G2, G3, the G4. Like these phones at the time really stood out and in in the Android universe. And they, you know, the G6 is the last I felt that really stood out. It was the first phone with an, uh, a, an 18 by nine aspect ratio display. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and at the time I reviewed it, I was just like, this is great. This is such a solid phone. The camera was good. Everything was good about it. But since then, it just feels like they've hit, they've kind of missed the mark. Yeah. And I want to love them. And this is definitely very interesting, but it's hard for me to recommend this phone, right? Yep, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, let's switch to the other topics we have on the show right now. Uh, so there's a bunch of little things. A Moto made some announcements this week. Uh, they don't really matter to North America. Although in Canada, you guys get a lot of these odd Moto One series phones, don't you? Yeah, we we kind of. I, I'm not too sure what their strategy is sometimes, but uh, yeah, we do see the odd Moto phone. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure if we'll get you know this this latest line. Yeah, so the G series might definitely will definitely be coming. I mean, I'd be surprised if it didn't come to North America. The G7 right. just came out six months ago, and it's surprised that the G8 is being announced so early. Normally, it's this is like an uh, early, late winter, early spring announcement. The G series, and so it's, it might be that 2019 is the first year where they've launched the G7 and the G8. Uh, say the same year, basically of the G8 coming out in the winter. Now, they yep. didn't announce a G8 proper. They just did a G8 Play and a G8 Plus. Plus Not to be yep. confused with the LG G8, by the way. This is a <laughs> Moto G8, yep. Moto G8 Play and Plus. Um, not too much to say about these uh, other than the G8 Plus uh, looks a lot more like the Moto 1 series of phones, having instead of having a round pod in the back in the middle of the phone, top middle, it has kind of more like a. a, a 
all the cameras lined up in a row along yeah. the left side of the back, which is much more the design that we've seen with the Moto 1 series. And speaking of that, they announced another Moto 1 as part of that little bundle of phones. And then E6 Play, the E series being the cheaper than the G series uh, phones. You don't see these in North America much, but right. they're very popular in like Latin America, South America, um, India, etc. So... I mean, you know, this is really no big deal. I'll have a link to the Engadget story in the show notes. Yep. But what struck me a little bit was how the G8 Plus is kind of almost upper mid-range now in terms of specs. And, you know, it, and, it's, and it's being announced like now. Like, this is such a weird kind of things in turn with timing. So, and again, it's around the, the same price point as we've seen with with the the G series in the past, like three hundred dollars. Three hundred bucks. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I saw that they have a you know one of them is I guess like focused on like the cameras. They have like say yeah. a dedicated like macro lens. Um, you know, I, are you a big macro photographer? Yeah, like I mean, smartphone? I like having I like having access to a macro, but yep. I don't know if you necessarily need a dedicated macro lens. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, one of the phones is the the, the Moto One Macro. They did a Moto One uh, Zoom, which had a zoom lens. They did a Moto One Action, which had a uh, ultra wide lens, but not what you think, Carl. It had it rotated ninety degrees, so oh, okay. it would give yep. you landscape video if you held it in portrait. Right. Right. That was really weird. Kind of like a GoPro. Um, and that was kind of why it's called action. And then they did this. Now they have this Moto uh, One Macro, which has a macro lens. Um, I like the way Huawei does their macro where they have autofocus on the ultra wide and they let you get super close up to something. And then the autofocus combined with ultra wide lens gives you that super close, you know, yeah. two centimeter macro photography option. Right. Um Honor did something interesting with the Honor 20 Pro where they had a dedicated 2 megapixel macro lens, but it was a fixed focus lens. So you pretty much had to find the sweet spot and look in the viewfinder to find out where your focus point was. Yes. It had a very shallow depth of field. Yeah. And with 2 megapixels, uh, the detail wasn't there, right? So again, I feel like what Huawei's been doing with the ultrawide uh, having autofocus and using that for macro might make more sense than a dedicated macro lens. But these are phones that are not in the same league as the, the Huawei's oh, I'm of talking course, about. Of course, this is yeah. a 199 euro phone, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the bottom line is that it's interesting that it looks like the G8, the G series basically with this G8 that's prematurely being launched in the fall now is kind of merging into the, the Moto 1 line in some markets, basically. They're kind of you know, they were pretty separate lines before, and now they're kind of like coming together. I, I yeah. just don't understand what Lenovo and Moto are up to in terms of their marketing strategy. Yeah. None of this makes any sense to me. I, um, you know, not <laughs> that I follow like this line too much, but I did hear some buzz around, and I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, they have also like a folding phone, almost like, you know, the, the old yeah. school Razor. Right. But, you know, that is a foldable device, you know, that's... That's yeah, that's another interesting one that I'd love to, you know, test out. Like folding phones well, are the jam back in the day. Yeah, like, so everyone pretty, had one. I have a pretty good relationship with Moto uh PR here in the US and they they did not invite me to that event on the thirteenth in LA. They they and I pinged them about it, they said, you know, we have very limited space, we're being very selective about who we're we're calling in and you know, we appreciate your interest and we'll be in touch, but um, right. not this time, Miriam. And I was like, Fair enough. Uh but I, I think that uh, you, we talked about it on the last show. I, I think this is gonna be very interesting. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the razor looks like. And in fact there's a leak this morning 
I saw a tweet somewhere. Okay. Uh, uh, I think uh, Evan Blass, uh, EV Leaks, uh, leaked a photo of the phone. It looks pretty much identical to what the Razors used to look like, but obviously That's... has a falling display in it. So it's right. got that chin, you know, that signature chin. They went, yeah, they went yeah, all yeah. out. They, they owned it. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm a fan of that. Like, everyone had a Razor phone, and, uh, you know, that, uh, that will be kind of cool. And, you know, the flip phone market is, you know, it's not really there anymore. I mean, anymore, but... the reality is that if you can flip this thing open and get about the same real estate as a normal phone today, yeah. Right. Like a small normal phone, like a 6.1 inch display phone. Um, I think they might have a winner. And especially if it's, you know, a little more robust than what we've seen with the Galaxy Fold. I think it might be, um, it might, it might work out. And so, you know, let's see. And, and uh, related to that, this week is the Samsung developer conference in San Jose. Yeah. And Samsung showed on stage, you know, kind of hinted at a folding phone coming from them that was in that form factor, like a vertical oh, uh, portrait, long, tall device right. that f folds in half in the middle into something that's clamshell and sits in your pocket, closed in your pocket. So very similar to the Razer. So I think maybe that's how we're going to get this folding world phone world to come to life in terms of reliability and accessibility in terms of pricing hopefully if that razor can be a thousand dollars right which not two thousand is what i'm saying of course then yeah it, it it will be like the razor was originally the the original v3 was 600 us dollars when it came out it was a lot of money it was heavily subsidized by carriers but you know i can see this launching on verizon and being super subsidized you know $200 on contract, sign your life away for three years or something crazy like that. Right. And people flocking to it just on, you know, uh, what's it called? Nostalgia alone. And if they yeah. make it in good enough to be a little more rugged than the, the than the, uh, the fold is today, I think it could, it could be a pretty successful product, you know? I'd love to see that just, just for, you know, good old sake, good time sake. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I will add... Uh, a link to these motor phones along with a link to this leak from EV Leaks in the show notes. Check it out. And then, of course, I will also add a, something about the Samsung folding, the second, whatever, the second type second, of Samsung yeah. folding yeah. phone. Um, you know, and, and I don't, I mean, how do you feel about folding phones? Do you think that we're finally going to get something a little more reliable with this Razer? That's my big fear, right? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I think folding phones are just, so different from you know everything else that we've seen in maybe what like six seven years like the smartphone hasn't really changed like too much and you know every time i've had you know a folding phone out like i said i had that second gen um samsung folding phone everyone was like what the hell are you holding in your hands like that right. thing is awesome um, yeah. and it's just you know that thing that's so so different and if we can get something that's actually reliable um it might just be that, you know, wow factor, you know, that thing that just stands out because, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like, you know, a screen that fully folds out into fully functional, you know, almost like mini tablet size. Um, maybe that will just eventually become like a gimmick and will become the norm like in the future. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Every device can fold. You know, your iPhone can fold. Um, it's nothing special. I'm much more excited about the uh, like the Galaxy Fold thing where... You know what actually what Huawei is doing with the Mate X where you know it's a phone in your hand in one form factor and then you open it up and it becomes a tablet and you have way more real estate. 
But I can totally see how the average consumer might be more excited about something like the Razor, where it's right. smaller, slimmer, and folded in your and protected in your pocket, and you yeah. open it up when you want to do some stuff. The question here is: Do you remember the original Razor? Obviously, you do. But I'm just yep. saying. Imagine this in your head, remember it in your head when you kept opening and closing it, opening and closing it, opening yep. and closing it hundreds and hundreds of times a day because it was that fidget spinner type thing, right? Yes. You so would just now open imagine, it just for the hell of it. <laughs> imagine that with a folding display. Right. Ooh, are they, are that's what, if they can nail the reliability, that's what I meant, you know, when I said that. Like, if they can mm -hmm. nail the reliability, this will fly. But if they can't, it's going to be a disaster very quickly. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Like, that's... We'll have to kind of see, like, I'm sure they're doing testing on that. But uh, yeah, like you said, it was the fidget spinner of the day or, you know, it was just something that you would just do <laughs> yeah. without, you know, paying attention. And I'm not, totally. I was even doing that with the, you know, with the Galaxy Fold. Well, yeah, everybody did. Yeah. Um, so next one I want to really touch on quickly is a bit of a weird one. The Honor 9X is out in Europe. Now you're going to say, didn't this phone come out in the summer, Miriam? I'm like, yeah. The Honor 9X was announced in the summer for Chinese markets. It was the last phone to be announced before the Huawei ban went to into effect, meaning right. it's technically the last phone from the Honor Huawei universe that has GMS Google Mobile Services. Yep. So that's kind of why this article caught my eye because it was launched in China, then we didn't hear anything. Uh, about it coming to other markets. And of course, in China, it didn't have GMS, but it was eligible for GMS. And then it, they did a 9X Pro uh, in China as well. And that one definitely doesn't have GMS. And then then they, this, this news comes across last week where they say the Honor 9X is coming to Europe with GMS. And not surprisingly, since it's allowed to have GMS. But here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing, Carl. If you look at that 9X, it's specs and the way it's designed, this is actually kind of a merger of specs and hardware between the 9X and the 9X Pro. It has a triple camera system of the 9X Pro, which doesn't yep. exist on the original 9X. And it has, the specs are worse. Like instead of a Kirin 810, it has a Kirin 710F. And, you know, I know we're getting down the rabbit hole of specs and nitty gritty here. Right. But it's just really weird to me that Honor is selling a phone three months later, two months later, that's actually very different for Europe, calling it the 9X so that they can get GMS certification. It's weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it almost like spot, they're yeah. cheating. Because yes, this is like a uh, third phone almost with a different chip and combining design elements of the other two, right? So... Yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. The, I have the 9X Pro, which is the non-GMS uh, Kirin 810 version, I guess, of this phone. Okay. And with, it has the three cameras on the back. And and it's a great phone. I was able to work around the GMS issue by uh, installing LZ Play on it. Right. But man, it's, um, it's rough using a phone without GMS. I tried for a little while. I was just like, oh my God, what a nightmare this is. Yeah, I think my first device that, um, you know, I, I typically obviously would only use devices with, you know, with Google services um, was the Vivo device. Yeah, I'm trying the to next three, the right? next three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I will link three, to your video G. on that because I, cool. I, you did a cool video about it. Yeah, I, I headed off to, you know, China for that event. And, uh, you know, being the first time without Google services, like you're pretty limited in what you can do. Like I couldn't obviously call like an Uber something to me is just, Hey, this is so simple. I, I couldn't even do that. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, it was definitely a big shock. Yeah, it's a different world. Um, and so I don't recommend it if you are, you know, used to Google Apps and Google Search. It's not just Google Search and Google Apps. Uh, apps like Netflix don't run. Apps, right. apps like Uber and Lyft don't yeah, run. Exactly. So it's 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 way more than that. Um, so just be just be mindful and aware of that. So anyway, interesting. There's a 9x in Europe. It does have mm-hmm. the same chip. It has the same camera system as a 9x Pro, and it has yeah. GMS. And it looks like it's a major major loophole of naming conventions that they're able to get this phone out in Europe. Yeah. Uh, pretty smart though, you know. Unless somebody figures it out eventually, I don't know. Maybe it's all legit. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> speaking of weird and weird phones and weird, uh, you know, madness, the, hyd- the Red Hydrogen 1, which was a disaster of a phone mm-hmm. that was super hyped and came out to be quite underwhelming and under-delivered significantly, is no more. Um, the uh, founder, uh, one of the founders of Red Cameras, Jim Gennard, is retiring, and apparently they announced that the... Red Hydrogen Project is dead, and basically that means that there were rumors of them working on a second phone. That's not happening. And then maybe these modules people have been waiting for for their first phones are not happening. Yeah. I could have told you this a while ago, folks. I hope you didn't spend <laughs> the money on this phone. Yeah. Yeah, It's that's, you know, too bad. It's, uh, you know, there was, like you said, so much hype around it, especially like in the tech space, having, you know, you know a smartphone with... A camera that could you know compete say with you know a mirrorless something that was really really good but uh yeah like you said we kind of saw the signs coming you know it was delayed um and now yeah it's just r.i.p you know it, it's too bad yeah it's kind of crazy right that how how sometimes you you know if there's a lesson here is that please do not overhype things yeah it's just not a good idea all right, folks, I promised you that you, if you stay tuned in, there would be a giveaway at the end. Well, it's not a giveaway I'm doing, but here's what's happening. My friend Murray Newlands is a tech entrepreneur type dude who's really awesome here in Silicon Valley. And he's starting a podcast. And he said, hey, Miriam, would you be my guest on the first few episodes? And basically what we're doing is we're collaborating on a show called How to CEO. As you know, I've had a lot of experience working in various startups over the years, working as a C-level executive, not a CEO myself, but I obviously have a lot of uh, experience with uh, the madness that is Silicon Valley over the last 20 years I've lived here. So um, if you're interested in hearing me on a completely different set of topics, uh, but we're going to touch on some things that are potentially related to what we talk about here, like the Huawei stuff, the whole Huawei ban. We're going to talk about that and other things. If you want to hear me on some other topics, kind of more political and tech-related and kind of how-to-related in terms of running a business and stuff, you should tune in to the podcast that Murray is doing. Um, I'll give you the URL. It's Murray Newlands dot com slash ceo that's m-u-r-r-a-y-n-e-w-l-a-n-d-s dot com slash ceo and if you go to that url which i will put in the show notes below so you can just click through that you'll see that he's doing a giveaway on his channel of airpods pro so stay tuned for our first podcast together and there'll be i think four together we're doing and definitely subscribe to the podcast and Follow the instruction at that URL to sign up for getting potentially a pair of AirPods Pro, right? Nice. That's basically what the takeaway is. So yeah, exciting stuff. 
And I want to also give you a chance, Carl, to tell people where they can find you on the internet. What are your different URLs and social media handles and all that good stuff? Where can people find you if they're looking for you? Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, if you just actually, all my handles are actually, you know, my name, Carl Conrad. So, of course, YouTube.com, Carl Conrad, Instagram.com, Carl Conrad, Twitter, you know, exactly the same. And the key thing, that's Carl with a K, because most people would actually use C. Carl with a K, Conrad with a C. <laughs> exactly, Conrad with a C, because there's a bunch of imitators out there. That have, <laughs> yeah, there, two there are, which is weird. I yeah. saw that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you devils. Uh, and of course, Carl's YouTube channel, uh, I will have a link to several of his videos in the show description, show notes below. So check them out, subscribe, Appreciate all that, that good stuff. You know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl, T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and Instagram. You know how to spell that. It's Tankgirl, like the comic book character, but without the vowels. And uh, you'll see, um, you know, if you want to basically comment and discuss the podcast, do it on Twitter. That's basically the place to do it. Instagram is where I post pretty pictures of gadgets and pretty pictures taken with gadgets. And then my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Miriam My full name spelled out. If you don't know how to spell that, it's in my Twitter. So check out my name there and remove the space, put it in the YouTube URL. Boom, you're there. My channel is a lot smaller than Carl's, but... Um, it's been around for a long time and what it is is basically complimentary content to this podcast so if you want to watch videos of the devices I just talked about like that Honor 9X Pro boom you're gonna have some stuff there uh, check it out uh, please subscribe to the channel like the videos uh, hit the notification icon comment in the comments all that good stuff and same goes to the podcast uh, mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL if you just happen to stumble on this by accident and you want to subscribe go to that URL mobiletechpodcast.com it's also below in the show notes and subscribe you can subscribe in many different ways apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, pocket cast overcast spotify a bunch of places do me a big favor if you do subscribe please leave a good review a good rating this makes a big difference for discoverability people can find me easier if you review and you put a good rating in there assuming you like the show etc etc so consider rating the show on whatever favorite podcast platform you use and finally I want to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Audible is the platform for audiobooks. If you like audiobooks, if you like books, if you want to not read but listen to books for maybe for a reason, I don't know, you're a delivery driver all day, you're behind the wheel and you need to listen to books but you can't read them, they are your best friend. Audible.com is awesome. They have a ton of selection, great books read by the authors often. They're really cool. I suggest you check them out. They've been a long-time sponsor of the show. And there's a URL I'm going to give you, and it's in the show notes below. If you click through that URL, you'll support the podcast. So consider doing that. If you're not already an Audible customer, it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. This will give you 30 days free use of the platform and you can keep the books that you download at the end even if you cancel and in the process you support the show hopefully you like the platform you stick around but you know consider supporting the show by supporting our sponsor audible.com and carl thank you yes thank you uh, yeah it was great this is actually my first podcast that i've done no well yes. you're total natural you see oh, this is the thing. i don't know <laughs> no i think you were you were great yeah absolutely we'll have you on again sometime maybe we're in some apple news lands who knows i'll ping you for sure absolutely would love to and until then folks you know there's another show next week so stay tuned for that and 
Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.